0: Well, good morning and welcome to Yonville Community Church Online. My name is Dan Bidwell, Senior Pastor here as always. So great to have you with us. Um, We're glad that you've put aside this time to stop and to worship God. Uh, And today as we uh, read this passage uh, from the Tower of Babel, uh, in Australia we say Babel, if it comes out funny in the sermon, you'll understand. As we read this story of the Tower of Babel, uh, we'll see that people uh, were worshipping themselves and worshipping the works of their hands rather than worshipping the God of the universe. Uh, so we're pleased that you've stopped uh, all of your normal works to put aside this time to worship God with us. Um, so we pray that it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, of course, we would love to know uh, that you've been watching today. We'd love to know uh, what God is doing in your life, how we can pray for you. Uh, hit the connect card up the top, a uh, little button on our website, yonvillechurch.org. Otherwise, in the YouTube, there's a link below. Uh, we would love to know what God's doing. I would love to pray with you and for you. Uh, as always, we give great thanks for those of you who are partnering with us to see the gospel going out to the ends of the earth. Uh, I'll be saying something about that in our sermon today. It's something we're really uh, serious about here. Uh, we long to see people... Uh, come to know Jesus and to know salvation and life in him. And so we thank you for those of you who are giving uh, and praying and supporting the ministry and the mission that we have here in the Napa Valley and beyond. Well, time to still your hearts, uh, to get yourself comfortable and prepare to hear God speak as we read his word.
1: Good morning, everybody. My name is Charlotte Bidwell. I'm the kids minister here at Yonville Church, and I'm going to be reading the Bible for us this morning. The reading comes from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 9. So will you please read along with me? Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar, Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth.
0: Well, we recently watched a great film called Hidden Figures. Uh, It's set inside NASA in the 1960s during the time when NASA was racing to put the first astronaut in space. And the story itself is about the women who worked as computers uh, for the space program. That is, uh, these women calculated by hand all of the trajectories and thrust coefficients and every other bit of maths required, a uh, mathematics you call it, every other bit of mathematics required to safely launch and land the first American in space. And they did that all with a chalk and a blackboard. It was very impressive. Um, the fact that NASA achieved space travel itself is extraordinary, but um, even more extraordinary when you see Uh, what they achieved without the kinds of supercomputers that we have today. Uh, Instead, they relied on the mathematical genius of ordinary people to achieve the extraordinary feat of space travel. Our film, again, is called Hidden Figures. It's on Disney Plus right now. Uh, We thoroughly recommend it. As humans, God has given us extraordinary creative abilities. I've got a friend who's a wind engineer. He specializes in modeling how wind will flow around skyscrapers so that the architects and the structural engineers don't end up building buildings. They get pushed around by the wind. His job's so important that they fly him from Australia to Dubai almost every week as they build the most rapidly growing city in the world. And there are so many other human endeavors that are a tribute to the creativity that God has created in us as beings made in his own creative image. Uh, Musicians, artists, architects, surgeons, philosophers, economists, there are so many gifts that contribute to making human civilization so amazing. And of course, we could list a thousand other aspects of human creativity as well. Well, from the earliest chapters of Genesis, we see that creativity flourishing. In Genesis 4.21, we're told of Jubal, who was the father of all who play stringed instruments and pipes. In the next verse is Tubal-Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. As humans, God has made us creative like himself. We take what's around us and we use it to shape the world and to bring order and to leave our mark. I think that's what God intended when he gave Adam and Eve the command. Back in chapter 1, to fill the earth and subdue it. So what happens when our creativity goes too far? What happens when we take the creative gifts that God has given us and we use them for ill? That's what we're going to consider as we look at the account of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11 this morning. So why don't we pray as we open God's Word and ask Him to teach us through it. Our Heavenly Father, as we look back at this story from our forefathers, will you help us to learn about ourselves as we learn, about, uh, as we learn from their mistakes? Give us ears to hear and hearts that are soft, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, today we come to the last sermon in our foundation series uh, from Genesis chapters 1 to 11. And we've spent these last 10 weeks exploring uh, the foundational chapters of the Bible, uh, focusing on the foundations of what it means to be human, uh, what it means to be created in the image of God, and to be created for life in relationship with God. But as we've traced the story, we've also seen how that uh, foundational relationship between humans and God broke down as Adam and Eve chose a pathway that deviated from the way that God had set out for them to live. And as the chapters have gone on, we've seen that crisis deepen as subsequent generations wandered further and further away from God's foundational purposes for them. The problem we learned last week is deep inside every human heart. And that brings us to Genesis chapter 11. So generations have passed since God rescued Noah and his sons from the great flood. I remember there were just eight people on the ark And now by chapter 10, we see Noah's sons fulfilling God's command to be fruitful and increase in number, uh, to multiply on the earth and increase upon it. So Shem and Ham and Japheth, uh, they have their own children who in turn have their own children and and they have their own children and they have their own children and so on. Generations and generations. Uh, Chapter 10 is their family tree. And Noah's little family grows until they're described like this In chapter 10, verse 32, these are the clans of Noah's sons, according to their lines of descent, within their nations. From these, the nations spread out over the earth after the flood. So from eight people, nations are formed, and they end up spreading out and filling the whole earth. But that's not how their story started. chapter 11, it's a flashback into the early days of clan Noah. I wanted to do it in a Scottish accent, but I'm not going to. Um, Back to the early days of Clan Noah when the whole world spoke the same language, 11 verse 1. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. And as people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and they settled there. Uh, The creative spirit was alive amongst these first people, it seems. uh, Because in verse 3, they had the bright idea to make bricks instead of using stone. And to bake them and then to use tar for mortar. And this technological advance apparently was a game changer for them. Verse 4. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. This is not the first city in the Bible. Uh, Right back in chapter 4, Cain said about building a city after God drove him off the land uh, in 4 verse 17. God didn't seem to have a problem with that city, but this city in Genesis 11 is different. See, this city is all about making a name for those who build it. I love architecture. I don't know very much about it, but I know that good architecture is inspiring. It makes us look beyond ourselves. Uh, It can change how we feel about a place. Uh, It can teach us about the people who belong there. Uh, or the people who built it, it can teach us about their values and their priorities. And uh, the way we decorate our homes does the same, uh, just on a smaller scale. Uh, And I think that's why TV shows about home renovations and home decorating are so popular. Uh, One of the best, by the way, is a British show called Grand Designs. I'm not sure if you've seen it. If you're into that kind of thing, lock that in. But come back to the Bible with me, because for the people designing and building this city in China, uh, the city isn't just an homage to good architecture. It's actually about building a temple to their own achievements, a testimony to their own greatness. It's their attempt to reach the heavens and perhaps to declare themselves gods over those below, in stature at least, if not in name. To understand chapter 11 historically, it seems to be part of the story of the origins of the Babylonian Empire. You might have seen the note in your Bible that Shinar is also called Babylonia. Babylon gets its name from this story. And the location of Babylon in Shinar is confirmed back in chapter 10, verse 10. So the Bible story is talking, uh, sorry, so the Babel story is talking about the origins of the world power uh, at this time in history. uh, Starting around 3000 BC, Babylonia as part of Mesopotamia was the the heart of the ancient world. It was the center of the ancient world's power. Uh, It was known for its wealth and its culture. Uh, It would eventually be responsible for one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Even the earliest forms of human writing came from this civilization. And as for the tower itself, it was likely something called a ziggurat, something that looks a bit like an Egyptian pyramid or perhaps more like a Mayan or an Inca temple. Archaeology tells us that the oldest Mesopotamian ziggurats predate the Egyptian pyramids. As impressive as this ancient civilization was, God teaches us a different perspective about the motivations. Let us build uh, build ourselves a city, they said, with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. In Babylonian, Uh, The name Babylon means gate of the gods. Was the city a monument to the gods or was it a monument to the builders themselves? Like so many other leaders in world history, it seems that the Babylonians wanted to position themselves as gods. Listen to what God says to the Babylonian king centuries later through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 14, verse 13. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will descend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. The Bible's testimony is clear, isn't it? The Babylonians wanted to place themselves on the throne as gods and masters of their own kingdom, as gods and masters of their own world. They didn't want the Creator God, to give them a name and dignity. They desire to make a name for themselves, uh, to become famous in all of the world, to be worshipped and adored and, and looked up to, perhaps to be feared as well. I don't know about you, but I feel like I grew up in Babylon, at least with the same heart as the Babylonians, and I suspect many of us are the same. We believe in our heart of hearts, that we live and die by our achievements. Are by the legacy that we leave behind, are the projects we spearheaded, the buildings that we built, or the, the landscapes that we influenced. We long to make a contribution to sport or art or philosophy or philanthropy. We desire political influence or economic influence. We long to make a name for ourselves in this world through what we have built. Is that sense of achievement the most important thing in your life? Is that what defines you? Is that what gives you your name? I want you to hold on to that thought for a moment. We'll come back to it. Back to our story. The people were busy trying to build a tower up to the heavens. And as much as they might have thought that their tower was almost about to reach up to wherever they thought God lived, we learn in verse 5 that God has to come down in order to see what they're doing. But the Lord came down to see the city. And the tower the people were building. You see, they weren't as close to God as they thought. But they were dangerously close to achieving what they'd set out to do. And that is building a society where God wasn't needed. Where God wasn't welcomed. Where God was not on the throne. That much they were achieving with what they did. And every brick brought them closer to that goal. This is Genesis 6 all over again, isn't it? with humanity descending into godlessness once more. The problem of the human heart sinfully rejecting God's authority is at the center of this story, just as it had been in the center of every chapter since Adam and Eve's first sin. But we also know that God had promised a serpent crusher who would overcome this evil within human hearts. And so we ask, how will God intervene in this story to keep that hope alive? And the answer is there in verse 6. God comes down. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. And so the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city. Just like Adam and Eve being sent out of the garden. Babel is an act of judgment from God. He breaks up the people's power block. He makes it impossible for them to keep working on their self-aggrandizing project. He makes them deal with the humbling reality of not being able to communicate with one another. Uh, Until a few years ago, I'd mainly traveled to places in the world where I could speak the language. Um, That wasn't the case when I arrived in Rwanda in Africa. Most Rwandans speak a little bit of English or a little bit of French. Uh, but usually not very well, unless they've been to university. And so, when you meet the average Rwandan in markets or on the street, we had little way of communicating. Uh, I was asked to preach in a church one weekend, and, and basically the only person who spoke English was my translator, and so the whole situation is confusing and humbling as you sit there in a church and you can only guess what is being said. And it's very hard to make yourself understood. Well, that was the new reality for the tower builders at Babel. They couldn't understand a word that anybody was saying. Perhaps confusion became frustration and frustration became fighting. We can only guess. What we do know, though, looking back at chapter 10, is that the people separated into their different clans and tribes and nations, according to their family trees, each to their own territories, with their own languages, 10 verse 5 and 31. At one level, this is a story of how people came to be settled all over the world. At another level, it's a story of how God humbled a humanity that thought too much of themselves. But is that all there is to this story? Another moralistic fable about doing the right thing lest God might punish you. Well, I think there's one more idea worth exploring in the Babel story, and, and that's the idea of comfort. When the people were making the tower, do you remember the last thing they said in 11 verse 4? Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. There's something very concrete about building a building, a literally concrete sometimes, a building, a home, It gives a sense of permanence and structure and stability and security and we often feel very tied to our homes or our possessions or whatever it is that gives us that comforting sense of permanence and looking at verse four it seems like the people on the plain of shinar were worried about losing their sense of togetherness perhaps it was worry about breaking up their families and more likely it was worry about losing the power and influence that comes When you are a large group, like a large army or a large organization or a large church. What will happen if we aren't together anymore? Perhaps they wondered. When God scattered the people out to the ends of the earth in Genesis 11, it was only then that they would fulfill the command of God that they'd been ignoring up to that point to fill the earth. You see, sometimes it takes a prod for us to do what God asks of us to go outside of our comfort zone. And this year, churches all over the world have had to learn how to be the church without meeting inside a building. Was that God prodding us, saying, hey church, I need you outside of the church walls. I need you in your communities. I need you to go out with a message of Jesus. You've gotten too comfortable in your little tribes, building little kingdoms instead of building my kingdom, the kingdom that will never end. Is that possibly what God has been doing this year amongst us? Coming down, confusing us a little, and scattering us out into the world so that he can achieve his purpose of salvation. Because the Babel story doesn't end in Genesis 11. When we come to the New Testament, to the book of Acts, God gathers believers from all over the world and from every different language. And again, he comes down into their lives are not confusing their languages, but instead enabling them to speak the gospel to all of the peoples of the earth. And this is so they can fulfill Jesus' command to go and fill the earth with the gospel, uh, to be witnesses of Jesus to the ends of the earth, Acts 1 verse 8, and to make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28 19. See, the church is not principally about meeting in a building. It's about inviting people into the kingdom that God is building of all the great achievements that we could have in life. Building the kingdom of God is the most important work we can ever do. And you can participate in building the kingdom no matter where God has scattered you in life. Whether you're at home with kids or working in an office or a school or a hospital, whether you live in an aged care facility, or whether we're prevented from gathering physically because of COVID, you can still put your hand to the work of building God's kingdom. We do that by praying and by making ourselves available to God for his use, by sharing the hope that we have in Jesus with those around us, by whatever means we have, by growing God's kingdom in our own lives as we daily seek him in his word, as we long for his kingdom to come, as we pray, your kingdom come. Because one day, the fruit of these labors will be evident, even if it isn't today, one day we'll be raised up into the heavens where we'll find ourselves gathered with people from every language and tribe and tongue. And on that day, our personal achievements will be forgotten because on that day, only one name will be made great. As God's people cry out together in one voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. On that day, Jesus will be glorified above all. That is where all of history is leading, brothers and sisters. Is leading us to the heavenly throne room where God sits on the throne unopposed. And the rest of the Bible is all about God's people choosing which kingdom they will belong to. Will they belong to Babylon or Jerusalem? will they choose self or will they choose God? Will they choose judgment or will they choose salvation? Or will they choose death or life? And it's a choice that we all have to make isn't it, as we choose the ultimate direction of our lives. Which direction are you taking? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story of the way that you brought confusion so that you could bring salvation. Father, we pray for ourselves that we wouldn't be comfortable and content building our own little kingdoms, but instead we'd be concerned with building your kingdom. Father, help us not to make choices in life that lead us to self-aggrandizement. Help us instead to make choices that uh, lift your name on high, that bring you honour and praise, that give you the glory that you are worthy of. Father, we pray that we would worship you every day for the glory of Jesus alone. And it's in his mighty and saving name that we pray. Amen.
1: Please join with me in prayer. Revelation chapter 7 says after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation tribe people and language standing before the throne and before the lamb they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb Thank you, Father, that your word in the Bible is a continuous story that points to Jesus as the Saviour of the world. We give you thanks for our series in Genesis and pray that by your word and spirit, your people listening and watching would grow in their faith and lean on you more and more every week. We give you thanks for the opportunity to celebrate Thanksgiving next week. Encourage our hearts, remind us of your truths, give us soft hearts to hear the goodness of the Gospel and help us to always turn to you and be thankful for all that you have done for us in Jesus. Father, we are excited that Christmas Father, we are excited that the Christmas season is soon upon us. Fill us with joy as we remind ourselves and others that Christ our savior was born to save sinners. We commit to you our upcoming cookie decorating event Lord, we pray that you would bring many children and their families to this event and that you would give us boldness to pray for it and invite many children and their families. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. This is a message for all the grown-ups. Yonville Kids Church is hosting our very own Christmas cookie decorating event. This is for elementary age kids and it will be held on Zoom on the 13th of December. It is going to be fantastic. We'll each be decorating our own cookies. We'll have a guest star in to sing some Christmas songs with us and we'll be hearing about the very first Christmas. This is such an awesome opportunity for us to share the good news of Jesus with all of the kids in our lives. So we encourage you to be bold and share this invitation with any kids that you know. They may be your own, they may be your grandkids or your neighbours, but we would love to see all of them come and hear the good news. You can register on the Yonville Church website. I'll put the link right here and we look forward to seeing you there.
0: Well, hasn't it been a good morning at Yonville Community Church? Uh, we finished our sermon series on Genesis 1 to 11, and we've, we've finished with that idea of uh, going out into the world with the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. Uh, we do know that uh, that's not always easy to do, uh, but at the moment, one of the best ways and the easiest ways you can help us reach the Napa Valley and beyond is to just to click like and subscribe on our video each week. Uh, or when we have social media posts, um, you can share our videos there. You can like and subscribe to those channels as well. That'll actually help our message go out. Uh, into your networks and into the community more and more. So we'd love you to do that. uh, But for now, uh, we hope uh, you have a great Thanksgiving week. Goodbye and God bless.